Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Austin Baker. I'm here with Bryant McKinney. Offensive tackle played for the Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins. Sal Spice and Ron Saw. Ron joins us about halfway through the episode, but we're back. We had a, a break of about three weeks. We are back right before the NFL draft, and that's all we're talking about tonight. After an update from Bryant McKinney about his life as of late, we'll talk about what the Vikings will do, what they should do, and kind of draft predictions uh, on the whole, because that is... Really, really the topic of the week and is less than 24 hours away. And by the time you're listening to this, probably just mere hours. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag, which is your number one source for basketball information, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs that are underway. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, and we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs, basketball, MLB, NHL, UFC, and even boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get on get in on all the action. Be sure to use this promo code BLEAV, BLEAV, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we are back. And we've had a little layoff a few weeks, but we're back in time just for the draft. The NFL draft is tomorrow night, Thursday. I'm here with Sal Spice and Bryant McKinney. We think our homeboy Ron will be joining us, but we shall see. It's been a while, BMAC, about a month. Where you been? It's been a whole month. Uh, it's been Jeez. longer than a month. I was being polite. <laughs> uh, I think one week we didn't do it. One week, like last week or something, yeah, we didn't do it. it wasn't all your fault. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, I was traveling. Yeah, you've been busy. You've been busy on Instagram, so fill us in. Right. So I was traveling at one point. Um, I had my um, B Major Foundation uh, fundraiser um, on, like, the 13th. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the foundation. Like, what what do you raise it for? Who the do you Vikings work with? Actually, um, the Vikings actually were a sponsor as well. Um, well, I, my my mission statement is uh, healthy kids, healthy living. So doing doing anything that involves keeping kids active, you know, whether it's like working out, just stuff to keep them active in sports, whatever. And then um, single parent homes, I, I help do things, you know, for single parent homes. And then I added mental health awareness probably like around 2016 based off of um, two players, two former players who were going through some um, tough times mentally. And I realized, like, this is real. Like, this is in my face. And um, so I had a panel, you know, we discussed, you know, mental health and different things that can, you know, trigger in different ways that you can kind of notice when somebody's mental health may be off. It was just very informative. I had some uh, great panelists that were there um, and a part of it. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Marshall. He was supposed to be there, but we, that same day we had like um, flooding down here. I don't know if they made the news up there, but it was like severe, like a thunderstorm that like it kind of just sat over <laughs> South Florida for like a day and a half, two days. So it was like a record, like record rainfall for Fort Lauderdale Airport. 
in areas. So like a lot of people couldn't get in or get out. Um, but he was supposed to be there. He's the only one who kind of missed. And even despite the weather, a lot of people still came out and showed up. So I had like a licensed clinical social worker. I had a, a doctor of clinical psychology. I had two reality stars, um, Shay Johnson and Renee Graziano. Um, I had an orthopedic surgeon. And then I had a friend who named Jonathan Dewar, who was actually um, a professional MC, And he's also into real estate. And he also went to University of Miami. So he emceed and kind of like, you know, kept the flow of the show going. But um it was a good turnout. Um, it was something that I feel like a lot more people, you know, want. Like I got on live, IG live, and people were like, oh, you should come here and do this, this and other. So I realized this conversation that people want to have. So I kind of feel like maybe this is what I should do. And then I just did the interview today for Vikings.com. And so next year when I do my event, I'm going to do it next month. I'll do it in May because it's mental health. Awareness month. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I did the interview today um, for them. And it'll get released the first or second week of May, you know, in light of, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month. But, um, you know, me and Lindsay, we just talked and like she asked a bunch of questions about the organization and everything. So everything, it, it went good. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was it was Lindsay Young. Yeah, it was Lindsay. But, yeah, I love her. And she's so great with mental health stuff. Right. So um, we had like a lot of great conversation today. And then she, you know, because Destiny could tell that that's become a passion of mine and and I'm like really got into it. So after having that event and the feedback that I got, like I eventually want to do like um, a retreat where you do like um, a mental health and fitness retreat, you know, things like that. So I'm definitely going to dig into this a little more. That's awesome. When did you start the foundation? I started this foundation way back in like 2011 or 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then- but I, the mental part, the mental part, I didn't, mental health awareness part, I didn't add on until. I would say like 2016, 17, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just uh, from my two cents is that if, if, if this is something that you enjoy doing, you're really a perfect ambassador for it because there's a lot of times there's this erroneous thought that, you know, big, strong football players, right. don't, they don't have problems because they're big, strong football players. Right. And a, and a lot of people do. And I realized that even when I did like the, um, the players choir, and even when I did the trip to Hawaii, like, those guys, I realized when, you know, when they get there, it's like a break and then they're kind of back around people who had a similar upbringing or a, there's the connection there, you know, mm-hmm. basically like being back in the locker room. So like even people are kind of open up and they're more likely to discuss things when we're in those settings because there's other athletes who may be in similar situations and kind of find themselves like happy to be there. <laughs> like it's a break from you know, whatever they're going through at home, whatever, to get away and, and kind of fellowship with the guys and kind of talk about some things. And maybe somebody has advice on how you get through it. So I definitely feel like it's needed. I feel like it's needed for current players and former players. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Keep us updated because it's it's really intriguing and awesome that you would get into this. And it's something you can keep us updated because it's cool. How I got into it was just having to actually – you know, deal with some people head on. And then it was just like, oh, okay. And I was like, that is for real. So it, it's, it's, it's just needed, you know, in general to me. Well, one of our favorite guests, like probably actually maybe my favorite guest that we've ever had, and I still think about this conversation all the time, is when we had Troy Williamson on. Mm-hmm. And he was so candid in talking about all of his mental health issues and the struggles he went through not getting help um, at that time period. And, you know, it's so... 
it's refer well, it's so great to see how far we have come since mm-hmm. he was in the league, but there's obviously still so much further to go. Right. And you know, you probably have some guys now who are they're just struggling with some things just because of having to play at a high level every week, or you know, now you have social media where fans can say things to you and you know it can make you feel away and it's like it may it may deal with them mentally. So being able to have them have an outlet that they feel like is safe where, okay, if I'm talking to you, this stays between us, but I can still get this off my chest. Having them have that, I feel like can definitely help them clear up a lot of things and maybe even last a little longer. Yeah, I think when all of us were growing up, the A, this didn't exist, the awareness part. And mm-hmm. I think it I think it was it was taboo for anybody to talk about whether they had a panic attack. Nobody knew what the hell it was. And mm-hmm. so, and then I'm sure there are even you know, graver issues than panic attacks. Uh, but in general, it's cool. Like Sally said, there's a dialogue, especially when somebody like Bryant, you know, who is a mountain of a person, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he's on board talking about it and spreading um, the message, I think, I think it's just a, a fabulous thing. Well, especially in the black community too, no, you mm. almost, it's so rare for anyone to come out and talk about right. an African-American community. And we, and on the panel, we discussed that too, be how like certain situations is like, oh, that's just cousin such such. And, you know, he's a little off and leave him alone. When in fact is they probably need somebody to talk to or a hug, you know what I'm saying? But it's always people kind of distance themselves and disassociated labeling someone crazy when they probably needed some type of attention or some type of affection or hug or something to, you know, to feel wanted or needed. And that was a discussion that actually came up because I feel like a lot of um, African-American upbringing you're just taught to just, oh, you'll be all right and just keep it, you know, keep it moving, you know, but I feel like after a while, like that can be a little wear and tear, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody may have an explosion or whatever, like just keep moving, like you can't ever, you got to keep bottling things up. Yeah, I'm even sure. uh, guilty of it to an extent until I wasn't as a parent. Um, my daughter, when she was about five or six, we started to realize in schooling and stuff that uh, she was a little behind or a little bit different. And she was diagnosed with ADHD. And it took my wife and I about a year to decide to get her on medication because we had the stigma growing up that usually if you had ADHD, that just means you were a pain in the ass. That's what that's what I thought. And mm-hmm. one of the worst stereotypes I'd ever held as a, as a teenager. And so once a doctor kind of looked at us candidly and said, well, if your daughter was sick with diabetes, would you give her insulin? We're like, well, of course. So they're like, well, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you medicate her for this? And once we got her on that regimen, everything changed. And mm-hmm. now the tactics that we have, we've just learned as parents that, you know, if we tell her to come downstairs for dinner, we're probably gonna have to tell her about five times because she's doing something else. And, you know, most kids mm-hmm. will obey. Well, she's a little bit, little bit different in that regard. So a lot of the things that I, I often think, God, what if, what if somebody, certain parents back when I was a kid would discipline this child the way that, you know, I was disciplined uh, right. because, because it, it, it would be, because you would think it was outright defiance. When in reality, if you get inside and you have the empathy, take a step back and say, you know, what, what, what is the deal here? And it, it's something rather than just defiance. Uh, I've grown a lot. At least I hope I have in the last six years uh, through through her ADHD journey. All right. Yeah, <laughs> it is. No, it, I mean, it definitely is just awareness and learning. If somebody has a behavioral issue, maybe it's more than just them being a pain in the ass. Like you said, I think that's a huge mm. problem with people being overlooked and mm-hmm. then you get to being an adult and you're like, Oh, <laughs> probably need to 
figure this out, but it's also so hard to access healthcare, mental healthcare as well. That's a whole other mm-hmm. issue, but mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> happy right. draft Eve, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that was, that was a wonderful <laughs> exchange. The, the draft no, Eve, Ron still hasn't showed up. I wanted to get his, his draft takes, but I'll start with you, Sally. So because we kind of have the offensive line in a good spot for the first time, probably first since time. Bryant was there. We, we have two foundational tackles, which we certainly didn't have since he was there. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's a no-brainer that this draft is going to be, you know, oh, finally go get an offensive tackle like we had with Darasaw in 2021. Therefore, Sally, doesn't this feel like the most confounding or mysterious draft that you can remember in a, at least a decade or so? Like, we have no idea what they might do. absolutely it feels very unknown and especially because of all of the roster changes in the offseason with getting rid of so many veteran um key players that we've got to know and love over the last five six seven years have left and there is so many holes to fill along with it not being the typical offensive line holes to fill that mm-hmm. it really could go any direction. And it's also Quasi and Kevin's only their second year. So we haven't been able to establish, you know, patterns for them or, um, you know, like we, like we could with Rick Spielman. So it's, it definitely agree with you. It's the first one in a long time. Where Usually we could rest on mystery. our, Usually we could rest on our laurels and say, well, offensive tackle or find a guard for once. But now it's not that the offensive line is perfect by any means, but it, it the, the having the two tackles, as Bryant can attest, is, is game changing. But Bryant, you said defense. Uh, I'm going to guess that playoff game is still in your fresh in your memory. It is. And I just feel like during the season, so I feel like defense always had his little uh, windows of where it was struggling. And I know we've let go um, a veteran linebacker, so maybe mm-hmm. they can you know, try to so avoid in a linebacker or even a DB, I believe, mm-hmm. um, get a get a DB. So I can see a linebacker or a DB um, being on the board for us in the first round, possibly. Um, on offense, I mean, I think Thielen left, right? Yes, he went to the mm-hmm. Panthers. So, I mean, if they were uh, on offense, I feel like maybe they would try to go get another receiver or anything. But I feel like it, it may be more on the defensive side. Yeah, on defense, oh, you talked about the secondary. Uh, Patrick Peterson, Duke Shelley, Cameron Dantzler, Chandon Sullivan, and Chris Boyd all left. Chandon Sullivan, in theory, could come back, but I don't know if he will. And then, really notably, Byron Murphy was the only cornerback to join from the Cardinals. So there's a there's a cornerback deficiency unless they're absolutely in love with their two rookies from last year in Booth and Evans, which they probably are because they're going to sign one. But, Brian, let me ask you this. So we have this this newfound thing here where Kirk Cousins is only co- under contract for one more year. What is your opinion <clears throat> on your experience in the league or friendships around the league about getting the guy right now so that he can chill and marinate for a year and then take, take the baton next year. Is that something that you think is a, a pretty foolproof plan or would you say, you I know, think just- I'm okay with that. Cause he gets to at least to learn from a veteran who's been around for a little mm-hmm. bit you know, year or two, um, and then, you know, take over um, and become the guy. But uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad at that. And that's, um, yeah, go ahead. It, it it just really just depends. Like if you do, if you take a first round pick to do that, um, don't look for like a big, uh, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like he's not going to yeah. play. So, 
It's like, yeah. just look for, like, in the future, in the next, like, two years from now, for this guy to really step up and be, you know, uh, you know, a big playmaker for the team. But I'm surprised we didn't talk about, like, why does Green Bay, what do they have with, sorry to change subjects, <laughs> but what do they have with the Jets that quarterbacks leave there and go to the Jets? <laughs> and then is he going to end up in Minnesota after that? Like, right? <laughs> uh, everything that he's done even though they're kind of different people has they've they've mirrored each other for far right. Rogers almost to the the age i think Rogers a little bit older going to the jets for the first time but yeah uh they both got disenchanted with the way packers did business Favre did the waffle thing a little bit more than uh excuse me Rogers did the waffling no Favre did the waffling thing a little bit more than Rogers as i recall Ro- Favre did it for like five straight off seasons. Um, but yeah, he's he's effectuating the exact same path that Favre did. Um, I, I don't know. It'd be a, still be a long shot for him to join the Vikings, but it's very weird. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, maybe he has the same <laughs> sentiment as Favre. Like, I want to play against them. Like, it's like, I'm yeah. going to go to, to the Jets for two years and I'm going to come to the Vikings. You never know. Can we rehash what the Packers gave up now to the Jets now that we know and how this is going to impact the draft tomorrow? Uh, sure. I don't have the exact ESPN like haul, but what I know it is, is essentially so they 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 cha- they swapped picks this year. So the Packers move up two spots. And then if Rodgers stays healthy, um, that in retrospect, the trade will have been for a first and a second. With the Packers. Second is this year, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the first would be next year. Yeah, he just got to play 65% of all offensive plays, and then it turns into a first. So assuming he doesn't get hurt, it's basically Rodgers for two little spots up the draft ladder and a first and second. That was the haul. How do you feel about that? Do you think that was fair? It seems weird they held out for this long for that deal. Yeah, I don't think that the I think that's the age problem because he's going to be 40 in December and could theoretically hit a wall. He could do what uh, Favre did and skedaddle after a year. So I think the Jets were paranoid and trying to hedge the bet and saying, hey, fellas, we should be able to get this guy for a second and a third because he's old. And the Packers were like, he's a Hall of Famer and we're taking on a big fat ass cap hit for this trade. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I always thought that Rodgers would be, if he's going to be traded, it would have to involve a first. So they kind of met in the middle that if he plays, that it'll be a first. Got it. On the, the quarterback part, uh, Bryant, when you said it, you know, it makes sense if they want to choose the next guy. Uh, this probably steals my, my thunder for the rest of the show. But I think even though there are roster needs, I think that... With Cousins in the saddle for one more season, I think that they have this very rare opportunity, A, in the NFL, and B, especially for the Vikings, to finally, no matter how they do it, draft the guy that they've identified as their future and do it now. Because if they don't, that means you're either going to have to wait until next year and you'll sort of feel like you're in a ponder situation where you're like, well, we got to get somebody, and then you hope for the best. So I, I, what I've settled on is I really don't care if they have to trade the two firsts or three firsts if they want to get their guy like CJ Stroud or something like that because, uh, yeah, it's dangerous to look back and say, well, you gave up second or two or three firsts. By the time we know if Stroud or Richardson is any good, 
it's it's going to be kind of a rough patch of football anyhow, and those picks will start to return if the guy flames out. Uh, so I've come to a piece of my ideal situation tomorrow. What I want to happen is for them to go draft whatever it is. If it's Levis, fine. If it's Richardson, great. If it's Stroud, that's that's the guy that I really want. Um, Sally, are you different there? Are you opposed to giving up a large haul, hell or high water? No, I, I completely agree with you on that. I want them to be confident and aggressive in getting whoever it may be um, that they think is going to uh, take this franchise to the next level. And I would rather them do that than be wishy-washy about who they take just because they feel like they have to. I think that the um, example that's been used a lot is uh, Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs don't certainly sit around and you know, cry over what they gave up to get him. Right. You don't, you don't even, they don't even think about it or talk about it. So if they feel one of those guys in the draft, you know, go up and get them. It's so uh, talked about infrequently, but it was actually the bills that gave the chiefs Mahomes. That's, that was the trade partner and nobody cares because Mahomes worked out. And strangely, the bills don't really take any heat for it. Probably because they found Josh Allen the next year, Ron, welcome to the show, sir. We were talking about draft needs after we caught up with Bryant, and he seemed to <clears throat> think that defense should be on the menu because that was a, a colossal pain in the ass for most of the season. Uh, and I guess we were talking about our draft wish lists. Sally or, and I are on the same pra- page, which is kind of a rarity, uh, <clears throat> that we, we want to just go get a quarterback and be done, and that guy can hang out for one year, and we'll be ready. Do you have a any reservations about trading a bunch? Or would you stick, stay pat, and get a wide receiver or corner or trade back? What are you thinking? So I don't, <clears throat> I won't have an issue. I think you alluded to it um, that if you go up and get your guy, whoever they, whoever it is that they deem, um, I have no problem in doing that because um, at some point you got to make that move. Um, the only problem I have with it on the surface is and I'm not the one doing any of the research. Um, there aren't any, none of those guys that would potentially be there are any guys that I like. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big Will Levis fan. Um, Anthony Richardson um, looks like he has uh, all the tools in the world, but um, I just, there wasn't a whole lot that I saw, um, saw him in college um, to fall in love over. So um, while yes, there are, there are toolsy players. Um, again, if they identify that that's what they like, all for it um otherwise like i'm not on this on the whole wide receiver train or other positions like that because um while yes i understand the need to take pressure off of jefferson um to be able to be allow him to be more dynamic i think you can find that later um so i'm 100 percent on uh if we stay or move back um, on filling defensive needs. Um, I know we talked about the last time um, on here, whether it's, you know, like Jack Campbell out of Iowa, who I think you can get um, later um, in the first or early second, um, but linebackers, a position of need, cornerback, obviously, because, you know, as we all know, we don't have any of our top five corners from last year. So <laughs> a big question marks there, um, you know, a Joey Porter Jr. falls or uh, Deontay Banks. Those are guys that intrigued me. Um, and just because they're also a position of extreme depth where a cornerback that's available at 23 or later is going to be better than a lot of other positions that you're drafting just because, um, and they say it every year and in, in various positions, but 
the corner is one position in particular where they seem to be getting bigger, faster, stronger um, just across the board where now, you know, a, a 6-0 corner is kind of viewed as being small. And uh, I know Flores loves his big guys um, to press and man cover. And there seems to be a, quite a few of those guys um, available. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they go because we've heard it all they we i don't think it would surprise anyone if they package picks to move up if they if they move down to um to accumulate picks i think the big surprise will be if they stay at 23 and actually make a selection <laughs> uh, i think when we started the show two years ago you circled Rashawn slater and christian derisaw as your guys for that draft because we needed a tackle boom we got one I can't remember who it was last year. Maybe you can remember. And then who is who is your guy or guys this year if they stay put at 23? Well, last year, I remember I was pounding the table for Tariq Woolen. Um, not in the first round, but yeah. as a even a second or third rounder. But again, that was just... That's right. I was sold off of a 6-4 corner that runs 4-3. <laughs> like, I didn't care what else he had to, to bring. It was, you still got to throw over 6-4, and he's going to be with you step for step. Um, so yeah, this year, it, this year is kind of weird because, um, because there are so many ways that they can go. So I think Deontay Banks is my initial, um, crush. Um, okay. but then outside of that, um, I think there's just so much, like I, Jack Campbell's a name that I just really like because of that, you know, big prototypical linebacker size. Um, and he's someone who's a very high floor player. So while I'll admit, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and act like I can project a player from college and see what they're going to do in the pros. Um, but there are certain traits that one, you can't miss on a on this pick. Like I feel like while last year's class is still um, up in the air with what they're able to do, you can't have two back to back years of classes that don't contribute like immediately. Mm -hmm. So that's where I look at those high floor type players. So um, I know the Michigan defensive tackles one where he's been, um, you know, popping up. Um, I would not be mad if they, if they took a player like that. Smith. Yeah, Mm -hmm. um, exactly. So I know like he's kind of, he could potentially have that rise that Don Terry Poe had um, when he came out of Memphis years ago to the Chiefs. But, you know, you don't find a very big you know 350 pound guys that move all that well uh um you know our our present company excluded so (laughs) um but uh i we need all the help we can up front um and it's weird to say that we don't really need it on defense or on offense as much as we do on defense as far as front um an intriguing pick i don't think i've ever i've seen any steam on this but um osiris thompson i think the offensive guard from florida He's a guy where if they took him in the late first or early second or whatever, I would not be mad because I think he has the makings of uh, being a, uh, you know, Zach Martin type uh, offensive offensive lineman. But otherwise, that's the only name that I like look at that I don't see us taking that I would like. But so Deontay Campbell, excuse me, Deontay Banks, Jack Campbell, and Osiris Terrence, I think it is Torrance or Terrence. Torrance, yeah, that's right. All right, so let's do Sally. How about so we we both agreed that trading up to get their guy or staying put to get their guy if uh, somebody falls to him, great. <clears throat> what do you think will happen? Uh, whether it is trade up, trade down, stay put, and who would you put your finger on for the pick? You never responded to me off air. I messaged you and Nick Breezy for a prediction, and nobody replied. And you're on mute now. There you go. 
No, we're still on mute. <laughs> I don't think you're plugged in. Yeah, Am I, I back? Yeah, there you go. Okay. She's back. The puppy stepped on this. The hubby? Um, puppy. Oh. Um, Excuse I, me? I didn't ignore you on purpose. I got my Twitter account back. Um, thanks, Lord Elon. And then now I can't log into that other account oh, anymore okay. unless I'm on PC, which I didn't save my password on there. <laughs> So I didn't ignore you on purpose and I've thought of it a few times, but I haven't oh, responded. It's all good. Um, I don't know. Like I, 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 like you were saying, I feel so confused about what could potentially happen. I, I go back and forth with what I think that they might do. Um, um, but I can tell you that I will be so happy when it is over tomorrow so that we don't have to speculate anymore. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I read a mock draft today from, I can't remember who that they, um, that the Vikings were going to trade up to three to get Richardson. And I don't know how accurate that is, or if these people have inside information, but I'm going to go with that because it would be the most exciting thing. Is is it for Richardson or Stroud? Okay. Richardson. The high upside. All right, uh, Bryant. So you suggest defense. Do you predict that that's what they'll probably do? That's that's my guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, trying to fill some holes on defense. Um, since like we said, you know who's going to be the quarterback next year, running back, and offensive line is kind of situated. Um, it's like fill some of these holes on defense, and you know, get that squared away. Have you ever have you have you heard any smoke in your neck of the woods in Miami about Dalvin Cook being traded there? That's been kind of the fanciest rumor for about six weeks. Was it him? I, if there was a higher profile person, I'm trying to think. Was it him? Mm-hmm. I did see something about somebody coming to the Dolphins. I'm not sure if it was him. I feel like if it was him, I would have definitely remembered. Yeah, yeah, he's been kind of the the Dolphins have kind of been the one A for the rumor mill on cook services. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I have this well-documented on my website, vikingsterritory.com, but I believe because of what Quasi Adafa did in his eight drafts, eight years with the San Francisco 49ers, he either influenced people to draft defensive linemen, or he was influenced by somebody uh, to build the trenches on defense in eight drafts in rounds one and two, they selected six edge rushers and defensive tackles. And because there were none selected early last year, I think that will be the priority. And I settled on Brian Breesey, a defensive tackle, is my official prediction. I'm sticking with defensive tackle. It could be Kalai Jacansi, maybe Maisie Smith, Ron's guy. Um, But I do think it will be a defensive tackle. uh, But the disclaimer out the wazoo is it can quite literally be about 10 different things that they do tomorrow night. And that includes trading back twice and not even making a damn pick on uh, Thursday night, which would be anticlimactic and leave everybody with blue balls. So... If they do that to us at the draft party again, <laughs> it's not going to be good because, geez, they ran out of food at yeah. like pick 12. <laughs> um, hopefully they learned their lesson, but gosh. Yeah. Uh, Ron, what is your end game prediction, sir? So, um, I, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, there, it. There's so many different things that um, that can be 
like they can go so many different directions. Um, I do lean that defensive line, how, whether that's uh, you know nose tackle or I don't not an edge rusher, but someone that's going to play in that three four front. So mm-hmm. you know whether the the Breesy, um, Macy Smith, um, and then you know Cansey even um, because I think the depth that there is at cornerback later in the draft, like you know again the guy that that I'll say is this year's a uh, woolen for me is Julius Brents, just in the sense that he's six, three with speed um, or, you know, Eli Ricks or, you know, Tyreek Stevenson. Um, like there's a lot of depth that you can get in day two and three that could be, um, you know, day one starters essentially. So, whereas there's the, a cluster of, you know, four or five defensive tackles um, that have the versatility to play three, four end, or, you know, just, three technique um and i think they sorely need that spot so um i don't know who it is that's going to fall someone's inevitably inevitably going to fall uh but i would i'd kind of ride your coattails on that all right so brian this is an annual tradition of us covering the draft um give us your from head to toe your draft night speech about your memories of it as becoming a member of the vikings you said my draft night speech. No, I mean, tell what? us, <laughs> not the speech that you gave. Tell us about uh, your, your memory of that night. Um, Killing me here. That day, because it was it was daytime back when I went. <laughs> it was on <laughs> Saturday morning, Saturday, like at noon. Um, Good point. So when, when I went, I remember being back there in the room. And then Coach Tice called. And um, the first thing I just thought, like, okay, what do I know about Minnesota? I had a teammate, a college teammate named TJ Prunty. He was from Minnesota. He always leading up to the draft, like, you're going to Minnesota, you're going to Minnesota. It's like, they don't say I'm going to Minnesota. I don't think I'm going to Minnesota. And then it's like, boom, he was like one of the first people I thought about. Like, he kept saying I'm going to Minnesota. And then I remember Mary Tyler Moore. That show was in Minnesota. <laughs> then I thought about Prince. Then I thought about Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I thought about different things. I went and took a picture next to the Mary Tyler Moore statue, too, just because. My mom used to have me watch Naked Night all the time, watch that show, so I was very familiar. Um, I was glad to learn that they played in the Dome. That year, I remember being questioned, uh, <laughs> name three players on the Vikings. And I couldn't. It was a year, like, they had changed, like, a lot of people that year. So it was, like, 2002, like, the whole team changed. Like, even at the draft, it was funny. I think I told you this before. The night before, we stayed at the W Hotel. Corey Chavis was in the lobby, like, trying to talk to my mom. And then later on, we see him on, like, the screen. My mom said, that's the guy. That's your teammate. That's the guy who – I'm like, what? <laughs> and that was Corey's first year going to Minnesota in 2002 as well, so I wasn't familiar with him. Chris Carter had just left. Like, so all I knew was Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss mm-hmm. at the time. And I was trying to think, like, who else was on the team? It was like, can you name three people? And I couldn't. Um – I remember doing press right after, you know, as soon as you leave the stage, they take you over to do press there um, at the arena. And then it's like they had a flight, you know, back then they had a flight book because it was at noon. They had a flight book and it was like, really, you didn't have time to pack. You just had like a little bag you just took with you and you went right to the airport and right on the flight. And then you, I got to Minnesota and then um, I had to do press there. So Coach Tice met me and, I'm actually going to post. I found some of those pictures. I'm going to post them tomorrow. <laughs> and um, there, just right away, just you know, doing press and being welcome to to the city and the team. And 
just never really not knowing what to think because now you like just imagine. Imagine you didn't really plan to go somewhere. Like you you don't because mm-hmm. you don't know where you're going. And then now it's like boom, you're in the city for the next at least four to five years. And now you're like, it's like a million things you're thinking about, like, okay, I gotta figure out where to live. Like, I wanna be close to the facility. I gotta learn these plays. It's like a lot. <laughs> it seems like it's coming at you at one time. Try to get acclimated. Then you wanna try to become friends with people too. It was a lot. And then I went through a lot that first year too. <laughs> my contract out. But um, you know, leading up to like, you know, the first like OTAs and things like that, it's just so many things that you're just trying to understand. I'm glad I was in Minnesota because I was never anywhere where it was like extremely hot <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for like training camp. So it was always like decent weather um, for me, especially for me. Um, so does your yeah. mom fly with you or you just are all by no, yourself? I was by myself. Yeah, I was by oh, myself. Wow. They, yeah, they just send you right back. So like everybody else, like, because, you know, we all were at the whole, you know, stayed at the hotel, but it was like, I guess they, yeah, they flew me from New York to Minnesota, and I guess they flew me back to Florida. All right, so like somebody must have to grab my stuff out of my room because you couldn't, I didn't carry all that stuff with me. Oh, wow. Um, it was like a little bag. Yeah, like a lot of things had to get taken home. I'm from Jersey, so my family just put it in the party in a car and they took it there, and then whatever needed to be brought down, they brought it down eventually, whatever. But yeah, it was, a, it was a quick, like, take off, go here, arrive there, you know, because you're an hour behind. And still, like, you know, midday, do these interviews and everything like that. It, it's like a whirlwind for real. <laughs> <laughs> you there, um, like, a, your knowledge of, like, kind of, you know, like, with Prince and Jimmy Jam and, and what you're trying to think of what you knew from here. And obviously, with your involvement in the music industry, you know, with the B Major Records and um, and also now being part of the, the NFL Players Choir, did you get a chance to kind of get immersed in that music scene while you were here? Like, did you meet Prince? Did you a meet little bit. You, I, I never met them, but I met um, a guy, RL. He was in group Next. Well, I met all those guys from the group Next. They're all from okay. Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. So I met them. That's a crazy story how I met them, but <laughs> <laughs> but um I met them through another teammate, but it just it wasn't the most pleasant meeting at, at first. I didn't know why until later on. Um, but I met them and I became friends with them and 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 then I by the time, you know, like later on uh, they re- realized I worked in music, you know, later on in my career and um reconnected with them as well. Um so far as that, and then Troy Hudson, he was like an NBA player yep. out there. He had like a record label. So some of the artists I would have, we I would go to his studio he had up there, and I would let them collab and work together and things like that. Okay. Did so growing up in uh, New Jersey and now settling for quite some time in Miami. Did Minnesota feel like home, like for a handful of years there, like that was your home, or did it always just feel? Like a landing, temporary landing spot. No, it felt like home because I was there. I felt more of the year for a certain, you know, mm-hmm. once July, end of July hits, I'm there all the way until January, uh, you know what I mean? Late January. And mm-hmm. then I'm only gone from whether it's late January to April. Then I'm back there again for off season workouts and things like that. Um, so I feel like I was there a lot just during, the, you know, during the off season workout parts. I could leave on weekends sometimes, or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we had this six-week window again where we could go back home, but I feel like I was there a lot. Okay, cool, cool. 
All right. So uh, tomorrow night, I want to for the draft whereabouts. Uh, I found in my from my job, it's easier to stay home <clears throat> and write about the draft from from my makeshift office. Sally, where are you taking in the draft? I will be at the Vikings draft party to anyone who has never been and lives nearby. And I highly recommend it. It's super fun. You get to be down on the field. Um, It it looks almost unrecognizable, at least last year, how, how nice they did it up. Um, Like food drinks, there's going to be former and current players there. Some are going to be celebrity bartending. Um, yeah, it's going to be really cool. So if you've never been, I'd highly recommend going to check it out. And do you hit that every year, Sally? Um, last year was actually the first year that I had went since it had been at U.S. Bank Stadium. Okay. I always thought it seemed kind of lame, like, you know, <laughs> just standing around and watching the <laughs> draft there and spending like $12 on $12 a beer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Vikings did invite me last year, so I did end up going. And I couldn't believe how cool it was. Like I said, even if they never invite me again, I'm going to come to this every year because it it was so, it was just a really great time and being around Vikings fans. And, and even though we had to wait till pick 31 last year to the very, very end, mm-hmm. um, or was it 32? 32. It was 32. I mixed up because there's no pick um, 31, but it, yeah, it, it was worth it. It was, it was a great time. Ron, are you watching at the house? You going out with friends? What's up? Well, yeah, I'm supposed to, um, golf league's supposed to start up tomorrow. So, but that should be done long before the Vikings pick. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and we have no game six. Yeah. So <laughs> that so made right. things a little easier. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I, so I have real, no, no real firm plans on what I'm doing for it. So I don't know, maybe if it's, if it's not too late, I'll, uh, or, I assume that, or do you need tickets ahead of time, or can you get them at the door if needed? I'm not sure, but if you need some, I have some. But when will you know? Well, I mean, that's fine. I'll know. Just text me. Just text me. And then, Brian, do you uh, make it a point to watch the draft, or just have it on the background, whatever you're doing? Um, I try to tune in for certain picks. I don't Mm -hmm. watch the whole thing. Okay, that's fair. All right, well, it's good to have the gang back together. Why don't you guys try to make a point of it to uh, maybe we can get together next Wednesday again and decompress a draft class. We th- we think we'll have at least five picks, and if we know Quazy like we think we know Quazy, it'll be between seven and ten, that uh, Wall Street trader that he is. But if that's all you guys got, that's all I got. Yeah, I'm very excited to, as I said, get the the mystery cleared up. And um, <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of different opinions. Um, and I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Later. Let's go, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.